0: Everybody, let's go ahead and get started this evening. It's good to see all of you. It's good to be back home again after spending some time uh, in the Northwest. Good to be back with our church family here. Certainly has been a blessing to get some rain where we are. I don't know about you, but we've gotten some, so that's a blessing. um want to remind you of the Zoom study we've been doing. We had a pretty good turnout for our first Zoom study, if I'm not mistaken. I think Jared told me we had 42 on there. So I was very, very happy with that. And we're gonna be doing that tomorrow again at seven o'clock. It's gonna be 1 Thessalonians chapter four. Got some good stuff in there we're gonna be looking at. So if you're able to, if you're able to tomorrow, if your schedule allows it, uh, we'll be on Zoom tomorrow for our weekly Zoom study on our Bible reading seven o'clock. We're gonna be in lesson seven tonight For the most part uh, in our study on authority of the scriptures, want to certainly thank Brother Mitch for doing a wonderful job uh, subbing uh, for me last Sunday. I really, really appreciate him doing that. I appreciate him going through uh, Lesson 6, much of Lesson 6. Today, we're going to begin several classes where we're going to be studying how to apply Bible authority. We're going to be looking at how to apply Bible's authority. We're going to be looking at how to properly establish it. We're going to begin some lessons on looking at the difference between generic authority from God and specific authority from God. What that means, we're going to look at aids, things that are aids versus things that are additions. And we're going to be looking at binding examples and what that is all about and how can we tell exactly when an example is binding in the Bible. So we got a lot of things we're going to be looking at as we get down down to the nuts and the the bolts of, of these kinds of things. So let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer, and then we're going to jump into it. Let's pray. Holy Father, thank you so much, God, for blessing us to be together tonight. We pray, Father, that you will bless our time of Bible study. We're so thankful, God, for the Bible And we pray that we're good stewards of the Bible, that we will use these studies to help us, Father, be good stewards of your word. We pray for this church and all those who are in their classes right now. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I told you a few weeks ago that my mentor, Max, had asked me for this slide here. He says he wants to start using something like this in his classes. I got a text from a couple other preachers that I know around the country, and I had one preacher text me a picture of this slide. And he said, man, I like that. He said, I want to use that. So we might be starting something around the country here because I'm hearing from a lot of different preachers uh, just randomly. Some are taking screenshots of this and they're watching the classes, evidently. And they may not like the teaching, but they at least like this slide. So at least that's been a win for us. You know, when being trained how to preach the gospel, one of the things I was taught very early is never assume things about your audience. Never assume things about your audience. Never assume that they know things that they may not know. Never assume that they believe things that they may not believe. Never assume that everybody in the crowd believes what you believe as a preacher or a teacher of God's word. I was taught that very early. Don't ever assume things about your audience, and that is why it is that admonition that I was given very early in the ministry that was behind the first few lessons that we've had in these studies about Bible authority. That is why we had two lessons about inspiration of the Scriptures. You see, before dealing with specific matters of Bible authority, it was important that we first consider Why we need to even consider the Bible before we start jumping into things like, you know, Bible, how to establish Bible authority and generic authority and specific authority. We need to make sure I don't need to assume that you even believe the Bible is inspired. Everybody here may not believe that. And so if we're not all the same page on the inspiration of the scriptures, the rest of these lessons are are, are not going to make any sense to you. It's not going to be no point to them. And so I needed to make sure that I'm not assuming too much about my audience. I need to make sure I'm not assuming too much about these young people. These young people, some of them may not believe in the inspiration of the scriptures. And so we need we needed to talk about that. We needed to talk about why we need to respect the Bible, why we need to read the Bible, why we need to study the Bible, why the Bible is special. Those studies were critically important to setting up everything else for for what we're going to talk about. If the Bible writers are not inspired by God, then we don't need to respect the Bible's authority. If Paul's not inspired, then he's a liar. If Peter's not inspired, he's a liar. In fact, if any of the Bible writers are not truly inspired in the Bible, it's not just a bad book. It is the the worst book in the history of the world. It is a book of lies. It is a book that's trying to tell us how to live our lives, but it doesn't come from God. And so we need to make sure that we're all sold on the fact that the Bible is inspired. And then we also needed to have some lessons on how the Bible speaks to us or how God speaks to us through the Bible, how God talks to us through the Bible. The reason why we had those studies or had that particular lesson was because that lesson was designed to really emphasize to us why this issue is so important. You see, since every part of the Bible is revealed by God. And I emphasize that every part of the Bible is inspired by God. Every Bible writer is inspired. And since every part of the Bible comes from God, which comes from Jesus, which comes from the Holy Spirit that has been revealed to the apostles and the prophets preserved in the Bible and given to us, then that means that we need to consider what it says very carefully. You see, if the Bible writers are inspired, then that means that the Bible is God's final message to mankind. It's the last thing God has to say to mankind before his son comes back. And since this is God's book and it has authority in our lives in the church, we need to make sure that we're respecting it properly and rightly dividing it. So that's why that was important. And so Brother Mitch on Sunday talked about some bad attitudes, bad attitudes. People often have about authority in the Bible. Remember, one of the things people often say is, you know, we do many things without authority. Now, with this statement here, this statement really is something that I want you to think about, not so much as what the world says, but this is stuff that brethren often say. There are brothers and sisters in the church that say this kind of stuff. And so I don't know about you, but I've had brethren, particularly brethren in their 20s and 30s and 40s, those who are younger, say this kind of stuff. And they'll say, well, we do many things without authority. And since we do many things without authority, there's something wrong with having a fellowship hall. There's something wrong with having a basketball gym. There's nothing wrong with having coffee and donuts in the lobby for people to eat before we start church. We do many things without authority. We got a church building. There's no authority for that. We got a water fountain. There's no authority for that. So since we do many things without authority, that means we can do some other things about authority. The problem with that statement is if a member of the church is saying this, the whole premise is wrong. Because at the, as the Monte Vista Church of Christ, here's the fact of the matter. The fact of the matter is we do nothing without authority. And if we are doing things without authority, two wrongs don't make a right. You know what we need to stop doing if we're doing something without authority? We need to stop doing that which is without authority. That not me. well, now we got an open door to get pizza and, and, and hamburgers and, and a basketball gym because, you know, we got other things without authority. No, if we don't have authority for a church building, guess what? It needs to go. It needs to go. And if we don't have authority for a water fountain, guess what? It needs to go. We do nothing without authority. And if we are, we need to stop it. Because it's sinful. It's sinful. And so some people say we don't want to be legalistic. You ever heard people say that before? You don't want to be a Pharisee. The Pharisees were legalistic. What people mean when they say this is, hey, don't be so, you know, trying to study the Bible so hard and do everything it says. Follow all the details. Jesus never criticized the Pharisees for that, did he not? In fact, what Jesus criticized them for was not doing all God said he said yeah you you tithe mint and dill and cumin but you neglect what you neglect the weightier stuff you neglect the love you neglect the mercy Jesus criticized them because they didn't do all God said God never criticizes his people when they try to do everything that he said so that's a false statement and then, you know, people say, well, what we're doing is is helping us grow. It's got to be good. It's filling up the pews. This is that argument. The ends justify the means. No, not all growth is good. Not all growth is good. If the growth is not in accordance with God's plan, it's no good. It's vain. And then Mitch, I know, spent some time on the, the difference between the local church and the individual action. We're going to have several lessons on that uh, in the next few weeks, a couple of lessons on that towards the end. Authority is not a big deal. There were five examples from the Bible that I put in your lesson there. okay? and those five examples and we could have put like 50 more or 100 more were designed to prove how this statement is not true. You look at the example of Cain, Nadab and Abihu, Moses when he didn't speak to the rock like God said, Uzzah when he touched the ark, Jesus, as he speaks to people on the judgment day, and he says, you didn't do the will of the Father. All of those examples were to disprove this statement. So so that's why those were there. And then the final one, God did not give us a pattern in all things. And this statement is usually made by people, not when it comes to salvation. Most folks will acknowledge that, yes, God has given us a pattern for salvation, and often they're wrong about that, but most people will acknowledge that The problem a lot of people have is they say, well, there's not a pattern for the church. There's not a pattern for the organization of the church and the work of the church. And this is where you get the organizational structure of the Roman, the Roman Catholic Church and other churches. And so we'll be talking more about that as we as we proceed, because God did clearly give a pattern for everything in the church. And so what we want to talk about tonight is this. Okay, want to talk about establishing Bible authority. Let's talk a little bit about that tonight. You know, in our daily lives, we have things and hear me clearly on this. I want you don't think about church right now. Just try to get that out your head. Not talking about church, not talking about church stuff. Let's just talk about daily life. OK, young people, we talk about daily life. So in our daily lives, we have things that help us measure standards and proper standards. For example, We have things to help us measure inches, feet, yards, get precise measurements, right? We have that stuff. We know about that stuff. We also have things that help us know how fast we can drive on the 202 or the 10. We have those things. We have speed limits. We have things that we depend on so we can make sure we're going a proper speed limit. You with me so far? We have things that help us value, get the right value of currency. We we, we have things to help us understand that $20 is not the same as having $50. And $50 is not the same as having $100. We have that. And then we also have things to help us get proper air levels and tires. And we have things to help us measure and count time and, and even get the right temperature. We have these things and our daily lives. Would you agree with that? These things help us. They help us get the right standard. They help us get standards for measurements and how fast to drive and how much air to put in a tire and time and temperature. We have these things, but here's something to think about. What good are any of these things if we don't know how to use them? You understand that? What's the point of having a thermometer when your kid gets sick? And try to take the temperature of your child if you don't know how to use that thing. Is that going to do you any good? What's the point of having a ruler and you're trying to figure out, you know, okay, how much is six inches? But you don't know how to use that ruler. You don't know how to use a tape measure. Is, that, is it going to do you any good? What's the point of, of having a speedometer and you don't know what that means? It's not enough just to have things to help us measure standards. We got to know how to use that standard. We gotta know how to use it properly. So that's what this lesson is about. It's about knowing how to use God's standard properly because it's not enough just to have God's standard, which is the Bible, we gotta know how to use it properly. Otherwise, it doesn't do us any good. And so the name of this lesson is How Does God Authorize a Practice? Before we do that, let's do some things with our young people. I want to use the young folks a little bit. Where's Micah? Is Micah here? Micah, does, you got a big backyard, right? And you got chickens back there. And you got a horse. You got a horse back there still, right? You still got the horse back there. Okay. You got a big backyard. You got grass. You actually have one of the few yards with grass in the valley. So does your daddy ever tell you to cut the grass? Has he ever told you that before? He ever told you to cut the grass? How did you know that your dad wanted you to cut the grass? How did you know? Just keep it simple, don't overthink it. <laughs> Micah said, my daddy told me to. He said to you one day, Micah, I want you to cut that grass, right? And that's how you knew, hey, you didn't just volunteer to do it, your daddy told you, right? Okay. How many of y'all know how to drive? Any of y'all here know how to drive? All right. Drew, how old are you? Fifteen and a half. half. Have you gone through driving classes yet? Okay. How do you know how to drive? Your parents. Your parents did what? They got in a car with you, started showing you how to do it, right? So they gave you what's called an example of how to do it right. All right, Shawn sure, Michael, take my Bible to my office. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> I didn't tell you to get out your pew. I didn't tell you to walk. If you were to get to my office, I didn't tell you to open my door. I didn't tell you to touch my desk. How? Did Shawn Michael know it was okay for him to get out the pew, walk, if he was to get to my office, open the door and touch my desk? How would he know that was okay? Well, the direct commandment was to come get my Bible, but I didn't give him a direct commandment to get out the pew. So how did he know that was okay? He made what's called an implication. It was implied in the language. Does that make sense? For him... To be able to do what I've told him to do, which is take my Bible, put it in my office, he's got to. He he concludes as a 13-year-old now. He concludes without even really thinking about it. Hey, I got to get out my pew, and I got to walk, and I got to touch the knob, and I got to open the door, and I got to put it on his desk. Thank you, Sean Michael. That's called an implication. Now, you teenagers, you get this, don't you? Do you use this stuff every day? Why is it that religious folks struggle with this? This is called life. This is life. Our young folks here, and you just saw it. And this was no prep ahead of time. This stuff, I shot this on them at the last minute right here. These are the things they got. A direct statement. Micah knew. My daddy wants me to cut that grass because he told me to. Drew knows how to drive now because his parents showed him the right way to do it. Shawn Michael knew it's okay to get out your pew and walk and grab the Bible and open up the door to my office by implication. These are common methods of communication. We use this stuff every day. We use it every day. And if you don't take anything else away, please take that away, because how often have you heard people say, How often have you heard people say, you church of Christ, folks, y'all made that up. You ever heard someone say that before? Y'all made up this direct statement stuff. You made up example. You made up implication, also called necessary inference. No, it's called life. (laughs) It's called this is the only way you can communicate and give instructions. We do it every day, whether we believe in God or not. This is how we communicate. And guess what? God communicates the same way. I mean, think about it. Why would God communicate with us any different than we communicate with each other? And he's the one who invented communication. You know, I'm a parent. I'm a parent. And every day of my life I use these things. And most of the time I don't even think about it. And my little daughter, my little daughter gets this. She got it at like two years old. I say to Faith, go clean your room. Faith knows dad wants me to go clean my room. And if she doesn't know how to clean her room, her daddy will go in there and go to her bunk beds that I just got her and I'll make the bed for her and I'll put Barbie where Barbie's supposed to go and Princess Poppy where Princess Poppy's supposed to go and fix this little bake thing that she has, get it all just right, show her how it's supposed to be done, now she knows. And if I tell Faith to go and clean her room and she's sitting at the dining table, she knows that it's okay for me to get out my chair. I gotta get out the chair, walk down the hall, open the door, Pick up things, get things in the right place. Faith gets that. And it's not because it was invented by the Church of Christ. It's because it's called communication. She gets it. And we need to get it, too. And so let's talk about these things one by one. Do y'all see the thing I'm trying to stress? Do you see how this is communication? Do y'all see that? Well, let's look at some things from the Bible. Let's look at what the Bible has to say about this first one, direct statement, a direct statement. This is when God tells us directly to do or not do something. This is also called a commandment. OK, this is also called a commandment. So somebody let's just kind of boom, boom, boom through this. Raise your hand if you got some examples of this. Give us some. And this, we're going to make a list of so young people. Be ready to jot these things down. What are some examples of God communicating with people through a commandment or a direct statement? Who wants to start us up? Brother John, yes, sir. James 1, Visit the widows and the orphans in their affliction and keep yourself unstained from the world. James 1:27. 27. Visit orphans and widows. Look after the oppressed in society and keep yourself unstained from the world. Is that a direct statement? That's a direct statement. Absolutely. One that we may often neglect, especially the first part as individuals. That's good. Anybody else got one? Yes, Vanessa. Colossians 3.23, right, Vanessa, where we have a commandment from God to when you put your hand to something, put, do it all your might. And that, that, that motivates us on our jobs, right? God has told us directly, work hard, be ethical. That's good. Yes, yes, Lisa. Ecclesiastes 12.13, fear God, <laughs> keep his commandments. Pray direct. Let's do a couple of more. Anybody else got some? Yes, sir. Go right ahead, sir. And then, Nicole, I'm coming to you. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's, uh, we find that in John 13, John 15. That's a direct statement. And guess what? We struggle with that sometimes. We struggle with loving each other properly, like we love ourselves. But Jesus directly said that. Nicole, yes, ma'am. Yes. Matthew 2.13. Can you read that, Nicole? Just refresh me on that one, please. Matthew 2.13. I'm sorry put you on the spot like that. You probably can get there quicker than me. Matthew 2.13. Yes. Thank you, Nicole. The reason I had you read that, because I, I had the wrong Joseph in mind. <laughs> you talking about Joseph the, who was married to Mary. That's a direct statement. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, anybody else have any others? Yes. Yes, ma'am. All right. Karen and then Mitch, I'm coming to you. Joshua 1.9, God is telling Joshua Joshua directly, be of good courage. Don't be afraid. Absolutely. Brother Mitch, you had your hand, sir. Well, one implies to all of us for sure, and still does even today, is going to all the world. Mark 16, preach the gospel to every preacher. He is, you know, all of that, baptized, and so on. Right well, that's a direct statement. He doesn't say how to go or where to go, he says go. Mark 16.15, go. Don't give more direct than that. And go preach the gospel and preach it to every creature. That's direct. that's our mission as a church is to go preach the gospel. Y'all, y'all, y'all get it. this is good stuff. So here's some additional ones to put on your list to go with your great answers. God started right away in the garden with direct statements. Remember he told them, Genesis 2:15 and 17, "You can eat from any tree in this garden, but don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Adam and Eve. Heard a direct statement and they got it. They got it. What about when God told Noah about that ark? He said, build an ark. (laughs) Noah didn't have to guess about that. God told him. What about Genesis 12 verse one, where God told Abraham, get up, go to a land. I'm going to show you and give to your descendants or Genesis 22. That's not on the slide, but you can write that down. Genesis 22 verse one, where God told Abraham, go offer your son, Isaac, direct statement. What about all the Ten Commandments? What about that, Rick? Those are all direct statements, right? Thou shalt not do this, thou shalt not do that. That's direct statement. Leviticus, you want a lot of direct statements? Just read Leviticus. There's a lot of direct statements in Leviticus. Mitch just said, Mark 16:15. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty four. The Bible says that we are to do this. What is the this? Lord's Supper in remembrance of Jesus. Now, you'll hear people often say, Well, God commanded us to take it on the first day of the week. That's not right. We have an example to take it on the first day of the week, but there's no direct statement for that. The direct statement is there about the Lord's Supper. The direct statement is do it. That's a direct statement. Then you find the example of when to do it. God told us to do it. John 15, 12, like my brother said, to love, love each other. And then here's one we need to think about, especially in our society today. 1 Corinthians 6.18, flee sexual immorality. Run away from it. Don't get close to it. Keep yourself pure. Now, we could give thousands more of these. And y'all gave some that I didn't even think of, but those, those were wonderful. But this is how God talks. He talks to us like we talk or gives instructions the same way. It's the same thing. And we get this. Most people don't argue with this. But let's go to the next one here about the example. An example. An example is where there's no direct statement exists, but God has shown us by the approved. And the key word is approved because not every example is a good one in the Bible. There are some bad examples in the Bible. I mean, Peter denied Jesus three times. Should we do that? No. So we're talking about approved actions of others that a certain practice can be done. And so let's look at some scriptures Could somebody please read, if you got a loud kind of booming voice, Philippians 4, verse 9. Can anybody get to Philippians? Raise your hand if you can get to Philippians 4, 9. Yes, sir. Go right. Go go ahead, brother, Brother Tom. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. So Paul as an apostle, told this church, what you saw us do, what you saw me do, you do this stuff. You do it. Why? Because he's an apostle. He's inspired by the Holy Spirit. We're not going to go wrong if we do the approved actions of the apostles. Yes, sir, Brother Lance. Go ahead, sir. That's actually a really interesting verse because it shows or gives the authority of examples. It's a direct statement of the authority of examples. You got you kind of got like two things put together there, right? You got a direct statement saying Follow the example of the apostles. And you also have that lance with these next two. Can somebody please get if you got a loud kind of booming voice there. First Corinthians four, 16 and 17. And then somebody else, please get First Corinthians 11, 1. Raise your hand if you don't mind reading First Corinthians four, 16 and 17. Uh, Michelle, yes, ma'am. So, notice how Paul tells the Corinthians, remember me, remember the things that I did. And notice how Paul says he taught the same thing in all the churches, the same doctrine. And once again, their example. Their example is what the Corinthians needed to follow. Anybody got 1 Corinthians 11 1? Brother Ryan, yes, sir. Be imitators of me just as I also am. None of the, like you said, direct statement of imitate the apostles. Paul said he's talking to a church here, which by extension goes to us as a church. Paul says, imitate me because I'm imitating Jesus. Can't go wrong if you follow the approved actions of the apostles. Now, here are a couple of examples of this. Okay, we said that we have a direct statement to take the Lord's Supper. That's a direct statement. But how do we know when to do it? Well, we know how to do it or when to do it because of what Paul said in the previous verses about following his example as an apostle. So in Acts 20 verse 7, we find Paul in a worship assembly with Christians on a first day of the week and they're taking the Lord's Supper. Now, I can't give you any approved examples of them taking it on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday or Saturday. I can't find that. But I can find them doing it on Sunday. I can find them doing it on the first day of the week with the approval of an apostle. I find that in my Bible. You know what else I find in my Bible? I find Galatians 2. When Paul saw Peter involved in hypocrisy, remember he was showing partiality among the Jewish people, uh, treating the Gentiles one way in public and another way in private, doesn't want to eat with them. He's really involved in some racism. He's involved in some racism. And Paul went to him to his face. And what did Paul say? He rebuked him. That's not right. You're causing division in the church. That's an approved example. When I see my brother or sister, or if you see me doing something sinful, you have an approved example from the apostle to come get in my face and get me in line. If Paul could do it to Peter, if two apostles could do it to each other, we certainly need to be doing it to each other today, right? We find that in our Bible. So we got approved examples, not disapproved examples, but approved examples of how we should do things, how we should talk to each other, treat one another, worship. We find those things. Let's get to this last one, this implication. Let's talk a little bit about this one. This is when God has not authorized by command or example, but an implication, but by an implication in the language used. Implication is not technically, now look at this. It is not technically the same as necessary inference. They're not the same thing. Implication is what God has put in the language. God implies something in the language of the scripture. And we as the reader or the hearer, we're forced to draw out or conclude from the language. And so God implies through the language of the text, we infer That makes sense. The speaker implies, the hearer infers. So we have to make the inference, and we got to be careful with this one because sometimes people infer things that are not in the text. Okay, so we got to be careful with this one. So here are a couple of good examples. Okay, Matthew three sixteen is a good one. In Matthew three sixteen, when Jesus baptized. all the Bible says that he comes up out of the water. It never says he went down into the water. So how do we know he went down into the water? Because we it is implied in the language. We have to make an inference. He can't come up unless he first goes down. You see that? Here's another one. Romans three twenty-three: For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Someone says, well, that that means babies, too. Right. That means toddlers, infants. No, because in that whole context, Paul is talking about Jews and Gentiles. And so when you look at the totality of God's word in that particular context, it is implied. We make the inference that Paul is talking about those who know right from wrong, those of an accountable age. We have to make an inference based on that. And then what about Acts 8, 35 through 36, where the Bible says that after Philip preached Jesus to the eunuch on, on when they were on that road, the eunuch said, look, there is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Well, does the text say that Philip preached baptism and the necessity of baptism to him? How do we know what, what do we have to do To conclude that this eunuch realized the importance of baptism. got this. It's implied in the text. We make the inference that Philip must have told him about baptism. Otherwise, why is he asking about it? And he didn't even know who Jesus was a few minutes earlier. Right. We do this all the time. That's the point. So does anybody have any comments about these things? If you think I'm making this up, challenge me, please. If you think there's another way for us to talk to each other as human beings and give instructions, challenge me, please. I'm not infallible. Challenge me. I want to teach the truth. Do you see this? Is there any comments you have about this? Does this make sense to you, young people? Please. Yes, Brother Ryan. Go ahead, sir. Yes, yes. I should have knew a tire guy would have made that point. That's a. I thought. <laughs> I thought about you, but that's absolutely right. You know, God's words the standard. It's perfect. It's what it needs to be. But we got to make sure we deal with it properly and we apply the same rules, Brother Mitch. Yes, sir. No, go ahead. Go, please. Back to Mark sixteen. We touched on a little He said, "Go." And now said, "Go by boat." Then we must absolutely go by boat. We're limited. yes we, can walk, we can take a plane but what are we doing yes we're still going he gives us the liberty to decide how we're going to go we just got to make sure we go and the same can be said about the church building i made this point about the church building where's our authority for the church building we're going to talk more about this sunday but he he uh, hebrews 10:25 says that we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together it is impossible to assemble without a meeting place. Someone says, well, why don't y'all do it out in the open field? That's still a meeting place. A meeting place is where you, a place where you meet. We could do it at Mitch's house. Okay, that's still a meeting place. You could do it in a rented gymnasium. That's still a meeting place. You can't assemble without a meeting place. We have generic authority for a church building. We'll talk more about that Sunday. But let me give you these final admonitions. The first one, young people, I really want you to see this. We didn't make this stuff up. Don't let nobody lie to you and tell you that. The Church of Christ didn't make up these things. This is communication. Everybody uses it. Secondly, to reject these principles is to reject logic and communication. God wants us to use logic. And if you reject these principles, you've rejected logic. You've rejected common sense. You've rejected communication. And to reject these principles is to reject God's authority. And that's really what it boils down to. Wouldn't y'all agree? The main reason why people want to reject these things, these basic things of communication, because they really just want, they don't want to listen to God. They want to do what they want to do. If, if people were just honest and said, this is how we talk. God does the same thing. Now we got to submit to God. People don't want to do that. They want to reject this and then have the freedom in their mind to do whatever they want. And we can't do that. We have to use God's standard properly. So let's stop right there. Lord willing, on Sunday, we're going to finish up this lesson. There's some more questions there on lesson number seven. I really appreciate y'all. Y'all had some good answers. Thank you to the young people. Let's take a short break, okay? And we're going to come back and we're going to sing some songs. Thank y'all so much.